A great day here at Berean. We acknowledge who our Lord and Savior is. We're going to be reminded of what he's called us to do. We're going to commission a great couple to go out and do it with intensity and intentionality. Great day. This morning, we are blessed to have Kevin McGee share with us. Kevin is the director of U.S. Engagement. He'll explain a little bit about that. He's with Converge. I met Kevin just a few months ago at a local Converge. Converge is the denomination that Breen is part of, by the way, in case you didn't know that. He was in a meeting, and it was very encouraging to me, challenging as well. And my daughter, oldest daughter, uh, kind of bumps into him on a regular basis at work, and she speaks very highly of him. Kevin is a, a Naval Academy graduate. When were you at the Academy? <laughs> Forget that. I don't need to know that. My sister was the CEF director of the county where the, in Annapolis when Roger Staubach was there. That was a little before me. Bef that was before you. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. So, uh, but um, for 32 years, he was the founding uh, lead pastor of a, an incredible church in that part of the country. A fifth of the congregation was deaf. Been married for 38 years to Anne, has two daughters. Uh, one is a Bible college uh, person on staff teaching, uh, and the other is almost ready to join the Tim Tebow Foundation. So it's a great thing. So Kevin, come and share what God has laid upon your heart, and we will uh, do our very best to pay attention and cooperate with the Spirit. I saw Roger Staubach at the Hall of Fame yesterday. Okay, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Really? In person? You saw him when he was there? No oh, okay. All right, okay, yeah. I was eight, year, eight years old when Roger Staubach was the quarterback, and that's why I ended up there. You know, when you were okay, yeah, that's before you're your time. Eight year old kid, and Staubach was the quarterback. Anyway, good morning, church. It's so good to be in this historic congregation on this historic day. So, um, David and Stephanie, I'm going to say your name right, Melina. Did I get it right? And Celia and Will. We're really proud of you, and you all ought to be really proud of them, too. This is a big, big day. Dan and Melinda Nelson are here all the way from Mexico to celebrate this day with you. They weren't in Mexico yesterday, but they, they, are, they are here with us. And um, my boss is Ivan Veldheisen, and he also sends his greetings. He also would have been here, but he's actually in the Pacific Northwest commissioning another couple that's going to Indonesia on this day. Um, your church has been a part of Converge kind of forever, and so you know Converge probably. But we today have more missionaries on the field than at any time in our history. We have 50 plus more in the pipeline. And so uh, God is up to some big things through Converge International Ministries. And so um, I'm just really excited and honored to be here and to be a part of this really kind of important day for us. Um, in your bulletins in the back, there's an outline, and that actually might be helpful to you. Um, at my church, we, we encourage people to take notes. I'm not asking you to write anything down, but you can follow along. The scriptures are in there, and obviously having a Having one of these things handy would be a good thing to have your Bible with you. It's just a privilege to open God's word with you. So here's the thing. The Connells are going to spend at least the next four years in the Dominican, though David and Stephanie will travel quite a bit, not just in the Dominican. And um, they're doing that because they've committed their lives to Christ and to a grand vision. This vision, quite frankly to me, took my breath away the first time I heard it. 
It's in your programs. It's the, it's the vision of Converge International Ministries. We're going to put it up on the screens. Um, here it is. I'm going to say it to you first. We're asking God for a gospel movement among every least reached people group in our generation. That should just catch your heart. It should catch your heart so much that you should probably want to say this with me. So I'm going to ask you to do that in four parts, right? So let's do the first part. We're asking God. Say, we're asking God. Okay, so that means it's a movement of prayer. In fact, if I do my job right, gang, here soon, more than a thousand churches will be planted. Because my team, part of what we do is we stir the, con the congregations of Converge in the direction of the least reached people, and that is through folks like Dave and Stephanie and the kids. Okay, so we're asking God for a gospel movement. Say, for a gospel movement. Gospel movement means that these guys aren't going to go just plant a church. What David's responsibility is, you know he's a business leader, he's a smart guy. What he's going to do is take all those smarts and all those gifts that God has given him to strengthen the churches all across Latin America. We'll talk about that some more in a little while. I have some pictures to show you. Okay, so we're asking God for a gospel movement among every least reached people. Say among every least reached people. See, the greatest injustice in the world today is that roughly a fourth of the people living on the planet have never once heard the name of Jesus. 70,000 people will die today having never once heard the name of Jesus. When you go out into the places that you go and do the things that you do, you might hear Jesus' name taken as a swear word. Well, in, in a lot of the places that Converge works these days, no one would ever do that. Because no one's ever heard his name. So we're asking God for a gospel movement among the least reached people. And now the last part. In our generation. Say in our generation. That means there's a sense of urgency to the task. Now, I'm a lousy liar. And, and so I'm not going to pretend that your church has had it all easy lately. I think you guys have been taking some heavy hits. That's why this urgency thing is so important. And that's what I have to share with you is so important. You see, I have a little bit of understanding about what you're going through. Uh, pastor Mike said that I was the pastor of a church for 32 years. Guess what's happening in my church today? The pastor who replaced me is preaching his first sermon. So, so it's been two years, and it hadn't been easy. So, so I have a little bit of understanding about what you've been going through and what you're going through. I would call today an Acts 13 moment. Yeah, if you know Acts 13, there, there was five elders in a church, um, three of them whose names you probably don't remember and two you probably do, Paul and Barnabas. And God called Paul and Barnabas to leave that church to go do something else. Can you imagine what that congregational meeting was like? I think the congregation would have been like, you got to be kidding me. Send the others. Keep Paul and Barnabas. Uh, your church has been called to send uh, Pastor Dave and, and now the Connells and lots of others to do other things. I understand it's maybe been a bit challenging, but I have some really good news for you. The leader of your church was actually never Pastor Dave Connell. It wasn't Pastor Myers. It isn't Pastor Mike. The leader of your church today and always was Jesus Christ. And he said he will build his church, and the gates of hell 
will not prevail against it. And I have some further, I think, even better news. You see, the, the leader of your church, the head of your church, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's coming back soon. And that's why this idea of getting this done in our generation really matters. There's an urgency to what David and Stephanie are now going to give their lives to. And so I'd like you to either look in your program or look in your Bible. If you have your Bible, actually just open it to the last page, if you would, not the index in the back, but the last page, you know, like Revelation chapter 22. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 7, Jesus speaks and he says, Behold, I am coming soon. Five verses later, he says, Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. And eight verses after that, in Revelation 22 and verse 20, it says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I'm coming soon. And all God's people said, Amen. <laughs> Come, Lord Jesus. You know, I had a seminary professor once who said, When God repeats himself, you ought to pay attention. And Jesus said three times in this, the last page of our Bibles, that he's coming soon. And so we're going to talk about that today. Pray with me, would you? Lord God, thanks that this truth is true. Thanks that we, every one of us across this room, can anticipate a day when the sky opens, when you restore your kingdom fully on this earth in the answer to the prayer that you taught us. And then, Jesus, in that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And in that day, there will be no more tears, no more death, no more crying, no more pain. Jesus, would you use each of us this day to prepare for that day? And so we pray this in your powerful name. Amen. So in your program, you'll see that little outline. Here's what I'd like you to understand this morning as we kind of dive in. The imminent return of Jesus the Messiah um, uh, is really one of the central teachings of the New Testament. The, the early followers of Jesus thought he was coming back in their lifetime. I think it's actually reasonable, though, though I'm not getting any younger, I think it's actually reasonable to believe that he could be back in our lifetime. And we ought to live like that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37 says, In just a very little while, he who is coming will come. He will not delay. In 2 Peter chapter 3, a, a passage we'll look at twice this morning, he says, Don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. Okay, so I'm a Naval Academy graduate. We're good at math. How many years has it been roughly since uh, Jesus was here? Roughly 2,000 years. And if a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years, in heaven time, how long has it been? Two days, right? Which isn't really that long. But what would that make now? Get this. This will preach. This might then be the morning of the third day. Have you heard of that before? It, it just seems to me there's kind of a beautiful symmetry. If Jesus were to come back soon, it would be kind of like the morning of the third day in heaven time. And, uh, and uh, I think he'll be back soon. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14 is a, is a verse I'm sure well known in this church. You see, you have this beautiful legacy of, of giving huge amounts of money and sending wonderful people into the mission field. And Matthew 24, verse 14 says what? It says, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. 
and then the end will come. This December, I will be back at a conference in California called Finishing the Task. Um, there's people, good people, great people like the Connells, who are focused on nothing else but finishing the task. Um, but it's time for a Navy story. I've got to tell you a Navy story. So um, I got engaged on my ship. Uh, my wife came down to the ship on my birthday. She wasn't my wife yet, obviously, and I asked her to marry me, and she said yes. And then a month later, I got on the ship, and I left, and uh, while I was gone, the Ayatollah took us hostages, and so I got to sit off the coast of Iran for a while, and then uh, President Reagan was inaugurated. They let the hostages go. That was fantastic, so I got to go on a photo safari instead of invading Iran, which was a much better deal, and, uh, and then we started home. But to get from that side of the Indian Ocean all the way back to San Diego takes a long time on a boat. But I knew when I got back, this beautiful woman was going to be waiting for me, and she, some people think foolishly, but she had agreed to be my wife. And so I just couldn't wait for that day. And so, so each day I would go up on the bridge of my ship, and I would look at this giant chart of the Pacific Ocean, and I would see we had moved a little bit more, and then a little bit more, and each day a couple hundred miles closer to this day that I had been waiting for. Friends, it's kind of like that. We're waiting, but, but we're making progress every day. Well, anyway, one morning I woke up, and you can put the picture up on the, on the boards, and, and what I could see, that, that was one of the ships that was with us, but what I could see in the background was Point Loma. That's San Diego, and I knew it was the day. And in just a couple of hours, I, I held her in my arms. Um, it's kind of like that. We should be feeling kind of like that because the day is actually almost here. In heaven time, it's just a blink. It's just a snap, and, and Jesus will be back. And when he comes back and he establishes his kingdom in the new heaven and the new earth, it's going to be unbelievably great, right? No more tears, no more death, no more crying, no more pain. You can read about it earlier in the book of Revelation. So what, what I'd like to do with the time that I have left is talk to you about the implications of this and the implications of what they're going to go do. Because it's real, it just matters so much. The, the, the quality people like the Connells are willing to go and give their lives to get this done. Um, you see, you know this already, but lost people, they're really lost. I want you to think about that with me for a minute. There's people in your life that you love, I hope, that don't know Jesus yet. You know, there is, a, there is a danger when we've been Christians for a while that all of our friends are Christians, but like on my way here, I stopped and visited family members in western Pennsylvania who, who don't know Jesus yet. Um, when somebody is not yet a follower of Christ, when they are lost, they, they are really lost. A and in the places around the world where his name has never been heard, it's frankly really dark. I've been to a lot of those places. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. We hear that word lost, and I think we let it kind of blow by us a lot in the church. It's uncomfortable. Paul told Titus, at one time, though, we too were foolish. This is Titus 3, verse 3. We were foolish and disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated, hating one another. That's what it's like to be lost. Look around the world today. Look in our own country today. There's a lot of people that don't like each other. 
There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of death that's completely unnecessary. Virginia Beach this week, just the latest. Several of our missionaries I've been in touch with just in the last week are, are literally doing what they're doing at the risk of their lives because the lost people around them don't like the fact that they're bringing Jesus to those places. Lost people are really lost. Paul knew some lost people. They were his own people. In Romans chapter 9, he said, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms this in the Holy Spirit. Then verse 2, this is the part. He said, I have great sorrow. I have unceasing anguish in my heart. Unceasing anguish over what? Lost people. Next verse. I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. The Apostle Paul knew that many of his Jewish countrymen, many of his family, many of his friends had not yet decided to embrace their Messiah. And, and the text says it kept him up at night. The text says that it caused him to completely reor reorient his life. It, it, it was the thing that drove him. And I would suggest it's the thing that's driving David and Stephanie to the Dominican. Uh, look at this next picture. This, th is it coming up? There we go. This is poor people in the Dominican. I heard your story. That's what first captured your heart. Right, the poverty there. But listen, physical poverty, which is an important thing for the church to address, is always a symptom of something else. Physical poverty is always like the temperature you get when you have an infection. What's the infection? The infection is spiritual poverty. You see, poverty always is a result of greed. It's a result of people who have a lot not sharing with people who don't. And we, we don't have to get into how that all works, but, but you know that that's true. There's corruption. There's all kinds of things that are not as they ought to be. The spiritual poverty of Latin America, a, a lot of people think that Latin America is reached. <laughs> These guys over here can tell you that's so not true. Um, let's look at the next picture. So uh, Dan and Melinda work in Mexico, and, and this is a picture that one of their friends sent me. Um, you, you can't really see it real well, but those, there's three little dolls there that are statues of supposedly, the Virgin Mary. And here's what's really tragic. In the syncretistic Catholicism of that place, not only do they not worship Jesus, and not, not only do they pray to Mary, but they actually worship the dolls. It's idolatry. It's modern idolatry. Some of our other missionaries work in Togo, where, where people still practice voodoo, and, and that happens in Haiti, where these guys are going to be right next door as well. And so w when people come to Christ in those places, they actually literally still burn their idols. In many of the places that the Connells will work, the darkness is very deep. Uh, next picture you'll see is how we usually think of Latin America, right? We think of tribal people and, you know, all that stuff. If you, if, but if you look across Latin America, it's this, it's this mosaic of people that, that so many are still lost. I won't ask you to respond, but what news have you heard out of Latin America lately? You haven't heard a lot of good news out of Latin America lately, have you? There's, there, there's countries in economic spirals. There's, the communists are trying to make their resurgence. All those migrant people who are trying to come here, why are they coming here? They're, they're coming to flee the violence that's there. The darkness is deep in the places these guys will go. But I have one more picture. Um, look at this one. In this one, you'll see all the people of Uruguay. 
and, and they look like the people of Ohio. I didn't know this until very recently. In the southern part of Latin America, there's millions and millions of people there who are of European descent. And they're like most Europeans. They're far from God. They're completely secular. Some of our team have, have identified ten cities of a million more where there is no church. People that look like us, but don't know Jesus at all. Friends, if you take just one thing out of this morning, pray for them, because they're going to places where lost people are really lost. And that should stir in us a desire to see something change. Okay, there's a second reason why this matters so much, and that's because everyone in this room is either currently grieving or will be grieving soon. You see, everybody is grieving because the world is broken. Death and sin have entered our world. You know that already, but let me take you to one of my favorite passages. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it's printed in your outline. It says this, Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. I've done about 100 weddings in my 30-some years of marriage, but I've done over 200 funerals. We always go to this place, right? Because if the person that you're laying to rest is a follower of Jesus, then, then you have hope that you're going to be with them again. Um, but think about two words in this text. Those who have what? No hope. There's lots of people today that we've just talked about who literally have no hope. There's people dying every day and their families have no hope that they will ever see them again. But not us. Look at verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And then Paul describes what it will be like when the trumpet sounds. The music will be even better than it was today. Verse 17 and after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever and so encourage each other with these words. I've noticed in the church a lot of people are not that encouraged by the return of Christ. Well, friends, I am. Because I can't wait to be with a lot of the people that are there now that I wish were still here with me today. I want to tell you just one story about one of those people. Uh, the picture that we're going to put up now is a picture of our, our best friend's son. His name is Jason. Jason might have been, uh, or might be the, the funniest human being I've ever met in my life. He used to torture telemarketers for fun. You know, when a telemarketer would call, he would string them along sometimes for an hour just for fun. Um, some of you need to practice that. It would be good for, the, anyway. Okay, so, so five years ago in February, uh, my wife took a call at the office. It was our dearest friend, Laura is her name. Laura and Rick helped us found the church. The four of us moved from California to Maryland. Uh, and so you can imagine how close we were, 30-some years together. Our families did every holiday together. Uh, their sons and our daughters grew up as brothers and sisters. Okay, so uh, Laura calls the church. The homicide detectives were on their way to her school. So I race over there, and uh, I got there just after the detectives did, and they they told her that her, her son had just been found on his couch, dead. It was the worst day of our lives. 
I've lost other people close to me, but not, no, nothing like this. I mean, it was just the worst day of our lives. As we walked out of the school uh, with Rick and Laura, the, the now grieving parents in front of me, and, and me and another friend, something inside of me literally just broke. You ever been mad at God? I yelled at him that day. I said, God, could the church please get serious about the Great Commission? Because here's what I knew. I knew that verse that I quoted for you earlier, Matthew 24, verse 14. It says, the gospel of the kingdom has to be preached to the whole world, and then the end will come. Well, if we would just get that done, then the end would come, and Jesus would come back. And this text says he's going to bring with him all those who have fallen asleep in him. And that now included my little guy, Jason. And I knew that unless Jesus came back first, actuarial tables being what they are, that his parents weren't going to see him again for 40 or 50 years unless Jesus came back. And so I thought, why don't we just get Jesus back here? In my church, people would be amening right now, I'm just saying. <laughs> You're kind of a white church, can I just say that? You know, <laughs> My church is a little more diverse, so... Can we please just get Jesus back here? I'm so proud of them because they're going to help us get Jesus back here. The gospel has to be preached to every people, nation, tongue, and tribe, and then the end will come. And when Jesus comes back, Jason will be with him. The jokes will begin, and we'll have this hilarious party with all those who have gone before us. And so the text says, encourage each other with these words. We grieve, but not as those without hope. I'm an old school kind of guy, not a big fan of tattoos, okay? If you, those of you who have tattoos, God bless you, but I'm not a big fan. But my daughters each got a tattoo on their bicep that says, we grieve, but not without hope. Because they miss their little brother, and they can't wait to see him again. I hope these guys are fabulously successful, because if they are, they'll help speed the day when Jesus comes. One final word for you. It's not just for missionaries who go overseas, but, but to all who long for the day and to all who serve him faithfully. I already read for you Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12. It says, Behold, I'm coming soon. And what? And my reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. To you Connell kids, it's not just your mom and dad, you guys too. There will be reward for the price that you're going to pay. We know this ain't easy. But God will honor your sacrifice. That's not me talking. That's him talking. When he comes back, there will be reward waiting. See, Paul told young Timothy, a young pastor, that, that God will judge the living and the dead. And so he said, in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. In other words, as you're looking forward to the day when he comes, I want you to think about what really matters. And then, then in that whole chapter of 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul begins to discuss what, what really matters. Uh, Paul himself said, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. In the future, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. If you have a heart for the Great Commission, then you have a heart for his appearing. You're longing for the day when he comes because that means people from every nation, tongue, and tribe will know his name and they will worship him. Um, it's good that Pastor Mike introduced me as an old Navy guy because I have one more Navy story for you. So we were crossing the Pacific on the way 
to chase the Ayatollah. And uh, my ship, when I got on there, had, had been through some tough stuff. They had flunked some inspections and different things. And, and so um, I was new to the ship, and, and the, the captain pulled me aside. And I'm just this young ensign, you know, and he pulls me aside, and he says, McGee, you know, that inspection thing was a particular one. We got like a 60. We need like a 90. And you're in charge of that now. Yes, sir. He said, if you, if you get us through that, I'll take care of you. I knew what that meant. So what do you think I did? For the next several months, I worked my butt off. Can you say butt in your church? Um, I, wor I worked my butt off, and we got like a 97. So he called the whole ship together, and um, go ahead and show the slide, and, and pinned one of these things on my chest. Now they, now they give these away, I think, in the candy store. But, but at the time, that was kind of a big deal. And, um, and so I was rewarded for my sacrifice. I was honored for what I had done. At that point, it was one of the proudest days of my life. Well, imagine what it will be like to stand before Jesus one day and have him say, you lived your life faithfully and well. This church has been a faithful church. This church has given sacrificially. You could have spent a lot of that money that you have given to missions on yourself, and you didn't. I know, you guys have given 20% and more over the years uh, to see the day when Jesus comes. God will honor that. Um, but let's stop looking backwards and start looking forward because these guys are leaving today, and this is a day of celebration for us here at Berean. And, and, and the most important work in the life of your church is not history, it's yet to come, because between now and one day soon, we get to be a part of speeding the day when Jesus comes. I want to close with one final passage. It's, it's truly maybe my favorite passage in all of the Bible these days. It's in 2 Peter chapter 3. So in 2 Peter chapter 3, if you've read that passage, you know that, that Peter uh, talks about some pretty tough stuff. He talks about how at a certain point, Jesus is coming back not only as Savior, but also as judge. And then the world will be destroyed with fire and a new heaven and a new earth will be formed. We'll live on a new earth. Heaven is not like clouds and fat angel babies. Heaven is a perfect earth. No more sin, no more death, no pollution. I'm going to be scuba diving in heaven, by the way. I don't know what you guys are going to be doing there. That's what I'm going to be doing there because there will be plenty of preachers, so I'm going to teach scuba diving. But, but it's going to be this amazing moment, right? And so after he gets people thinking about that, he asks a question. Peter, the great apostle, says, what kind of people should we be? In light of what is coming, what kind of people should we be? And then he answers the question. He says we ought to live holy and godly lives, here's the punchline, as we look forward to the day of God, and here it is, and speed its coming. In light of the fact that one day there's going to be a new heaven and new earth, the king will have come, he will be ruling and reigning on the earth, we'll be in this place with no more tears or death or crying or pain. In light of that reality, what kind of people should we be? Well, we should be all in for Jesus, living holy and godly lives because we can not only look forward to the day of God, here it is, but we get to, what's it say? Speed, it's coming. This is mind-boggling to me. 
you, me, ordinary folks like us, ordinary folks like the Connells, you don't have to be superstars to be missionaries, ordinary folks like us, we get to put our foot on the accelerator to speed the day when Jesus comes and death is no more. That is the verse I had in my mind today, that Jesus died, and I shouted at that. So I have a question for you. A question that's going to be up here on the screen, it's also in your notes, and then there's some small group questions for you in the notes too. Here's the question. Have I radically changed my lifestyle to speed the day when Messiah comes? These guys are doing that. Their lifestyle is radically changed. They're going to go live in a place that's not as nice as Mansfield, Ohio. It's going to be really different for them. Now, is everybody in the room going to move to the Dominican? No, but we can make changes that can help speed the day. My wife and I are living on about 75% of what we made as the pastor of, of the church because that's just money. Amen. We get to speed the day. You could do one simple thing, you know, get rid of your cable TV. For us, that was like a hunt in D.C. Cable's expensive, like 100 bucks a month. I don't really need to watch Rookie Blue reruns or whatever it is, you know? That's 100 bucks I could do with the kingdom. I know this is a generous church. I know this is a praying church. But God's always growing us. He's always growing us in prayer. He's always growing us in generosity. He's always growing us to be more like Jesus. I'm wondering, even on this day when these guys, we celebrate the sacrifice that they're making, I wonder what God's asking you to do to speed the day when he comes. Well, I'm just going to pray for us. It's not for me to tell you what you should do, but I know the guy who is supposed to tell you, the Holy Spirit will tell you what it is that God would have you do on this day to speed the day when he comes. Pray with me, would you? Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much that we get to be a part of something that matters so much. Lord, we love the Connells. We're so grateful for what they're doing. We as a a congregation together are so proud of them and excited for them. God, let us be not just excited for them, but help us to become excited with them. Help us to find our place in this great commission work. So Holy Spirit, I would just ask right now that you would fall on this place. That each person in this room, these are the warriors, these are the ones who have endured through the hard time, that each one of these warriors of yours, God, would you speak to them about what their next step might be. Maybe it's to just to gather friends to pray. Maybe it's to change the budget a bit in order to give. Maybe there's someone here today who God's also calling to go. Lord, in whatever that is, would you just speak clearly to every heart. And Lord, for the Connells, we pray not simply for their protection, but for their faithfulness, for their fruitfulness. God, would you just bless them even now as they anticipate the reward that is to come. And uh, Jesus, we love you. We pray all of these things in your powerful name. Amen. Well, thanks for praying with me. Thanks for having me today. It's now my privilege to introduce Dan Nelson. Dan is the leader of all of Latin America. He's not really a, a czar or anything, but, but he leads all of Latin America for Converge International Ministry. So Dan, please come. here, and uh, it's an honor to be able to give Dave and Stephanie a charge. So I'm going to speak primarily to Dave and Stephanie, uh, but y'all are welcome to listen in, okay? 
Um, you know, it might be easy to say that you've made it. And uh, I was thinking, made it to where? Uh, and in some sense, you've made it to the starting line. Uh, you've been through a process. Uh, God has been working on your hearts. Uh, you've worked in building a team that's going to be supporting you in, in prayer and, and financially. And a lot of times we get to this point and say, well, finally. Uh, but in some sense, you made it to the starting line. This, is, this race that you're getting into, it's not a sprint. Uh, it's a marathon. It's long distance. And uh, you're in for the long haul. And so I want to charge you with four things. I have three in my notes, but as I was sitting and reflecting, I'm going to put in a fourth. Um, first of all, Dave and Stephanie, I charge you to go forth in the role of a servant. Uh, we are called to serve. We serve God. We serve each other. Uh, we serve our church. And in your case, you're called to serve the people of the Dominican Republic and of all of Latin America. What's that mean? Uh, well, Jesus said, this is, this is what he, when he called his disciples, he said, Jesus called them to him and said, you know what the rulers of Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not so be so among you, but whatever, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So you're called to serve, as Jesus served, and to give your lives as he gave his life. It means you need to work hard at learning language and culture. It means you need to work through those hot, muggy days. Uh, but remember that you're there to serve. Dave and Stephanie, I also charge you, and I'm going to quote a preacher I love to listen to. Uh, I think he's now second on my list after listening to Kevin, but uh, E.B. Hill. He says, I charge you to keep the main thing the main thing. Never forget it's not about you. It's about him. It's about his kingdom. He is king. He is savior. He is Lord. He is, it is on him whom we rely, and it is him that we preach. It's all about him. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And this is where I go off script, because this is my third point, is I charge you, Dave and Stephanie, to lean on God. Lean into God. When things get difficult, when things get tough, you need to lean on him. Are you going to be okay with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Don't lean on your own understanding. You two are very smart. You're very capable, but you need to continually lean on God. So when your feet are planted firmly in midair, <laughs> as we've talked about over this past year, you actually have them planted firmly on the rock if you learn to lean on him. 
And finally, Dave and Stephanie, I charge you to enjoy the ride. It's not just a high calling, which you are obeying. It's a high privilege. Uh, my parents used to tell me, my parents were missionaries, and uh, they would say, why would we stoop to be kings when we could be missionaries? Uh, it truly is an honor to be able to invest our whole lives, our, all of our time, in this manner. years, there's going to be times when you're going to ask yourself, what in the world are we doing here? <laughs> but God has clearly called you. There's no doubt in my mind. He doesn't make mistakes. And so take time to enjoy the opportunity to serve the King of Kings. Enjoy the tastes. Enjoy the sounds. Enjoy the languages and cultures which you will encounter. And it's going to teach you more about yourselves, and more importantly, it's going to teach you more about God. I'd like to share a, a word with the congregation. Uh, they call it a charge. Um, for uh, our purposes, I'd like to say it's a reminder of who we are. I'm going to read some things to you and share some things. And I'd like you to, to stand. And uh, not yet, not yet. I'm sorry. Let me read some things first, and then we'll stand. But uh, this is just a reminder of who we are in our relationship to Dave and Stephanie. Today we are commissioning Dave and Stephanie Connell to go and make disciples of the Dominican Republic and in Latin America. The responsibility is not all theirs. They are part of a local body of believers. They are part of Berean. And as part of this body, we have a responsibility to them and to our Lord. Each of us, as part of the body of Christ, need to do our part in helping them to prayerfully support them and encourage them in the ministry that the Lord has called them to. I'd like to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 20 through 30. Now, there are many members, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those members of the body which seem, which deem less honorable, on these we bestow more honor. And on our less presentable members become much more presentable so that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And then it closes, now we are Christ's body and individual members of it. Yesterday, I got a visual aid for us this morning. I was in the yard working like many of you were yesterday. I got this little thing right on my thumb a blister. And as you get this little tiny blister, guess what happened? The whole body reacted to it. Every time I would bump it, ah, and I tried, and I, you know, being manly, he didn't put a Band-Aid on it at first. So I got some dirt in it, and that was nice. And but, but one part of my body hurt, therefore the whole body suffered. As Dave and Stephanie go, they're a part of our body. Please remember that. 
I would encourage you to do that by listening to the Holy Spirit daily. When the Holy Spirit brings them to your mind, pray for them, support them, lift them up. If the Holy Spirit puts on your mind to send them a note, do that. But listen to the Holy Spirit's guiding in your life in response to our part of our body so that when we're hurting, we can come around them and support them and be part of them. Don't forget them. Lift them up daily in your prayers. Right now, I'd like you to ask you to stand with me and verbally commit to partner with Dave and Steph Stephanie as they're sending church. And I'll read three things to you, and at the end, I would like you to say, if you believe it, I do. Do you recognize the call and commissioning of our Lord to Dave and Stephanie to missionary service? Do you promise as members of this congregation to pray for Dave and Stephanie and their family on a regular basis? And do you promise to continually faithfully give financially material support to assist the work to which the Holy Spirit has called them? If you agree with those statements, will you say, I do? May God strengthen and enable us to fulfill this commitment today. I'd like to ask Pastor Mike to come forward to, to pray uh, for them and Dave and Stephanie and the family. If you could come up here. I'd also like to ask the deacons and the pastors that are here and the missionary board to come up here. We're going to put them right in the middle, and uh, we're going to pray for them. And as Pastor Mike is praying, we'd love for you to lift your hands up, and uh, let's join together as a church in praying for this couple and for this family. As uh, everyone's coming, uh, also we're going to just remind ourselves that uh, the Lord has led Berean to ordain David. And so here's your official certificate. You can do whatever you want to with that. Uh, and uh, that and a dollar will buy you a coffee someplace. Um, but uh, you said you didn't have one of these, so there you go. That's, uh, that's a gift from the church. Everybody ready? All right. Father God, we are grateful that in your incredible mercy and plan, you include us in it. We are humbled by that. Thank you to Dave and Stephanie and their family have humbled themselves, listened to your call, and faithfully pursued this incredibly challenging opportunity. Lord, we are confident that as they are reminded of who they are and of who they represent, that you will enable them to do what you want them to do faithfully, courageously, winsomely in the midst of incredible challenges. Encourage them, Father. Protect them. In the midst of a reality that they have no idea what will be coming, may they lean on you as they have been charged to do. And may they never lose sight, Father, of the fact that lost people are lost. And that has eternal consequences. 
I ask, Lord, that you would help them to enjoy the incredible privilege of being used by you to touch lives as they work a, a significant amount of their time with pastors and with leaders to give them wisdom beyond their years, insight, Father, that only you can give. Help them, Lord, to pursue wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you would just, in, in ways that are beyond our wildest dreams, use them for your glory. And Lord, help us as a congregation to be faithful. And we, Father, will be quick to give you the praise. And Lord, we pray this in the name of our lovely Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.